Do you have a favorite verse from the Bible? I know a lot of people do. Often it's called a life verse. Could be something to do with a verse that was instrumental in how we came to faith in Jesus, uh, or it may be something that has impacted us powerfully. Um, <laughs> that powerfully. And uh, it could be a verse that we go back to regularly. Uh, so, anybody got a life verse, a favorite verse that you like to tell us about this morning? Doesn't matter if you can't remember the exact wording. Yeah, Joe. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Anyone else? Okay, so God's saying, I've chosen you, you haven't chosen me, and I've appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Yeah? Anyone else want to? I like that one. <laughs> That's great, yeah. Robin, you had your hand up as well. Yeah, very cool. Some nice verses, aren't they? And um, one of the noticeable things about these verses is that almost exclusively they are about our identity, our relationship with God, they stir faith in us, they build us up, they encourage us, and they are very, very important. We love having those verses. And we really need that in the Oxford area, don't we? Uh, Bob Fulton, who was John Wimber's brother-in-law, was in charge of international church planting for the vineyard. So he travelled all over the world, and he said that Oxford was the most spiritually oppressive city that he ever ministered in. So, it, you know, it shouldn't be a surprise to us that the Oxford area is a, a tough place to, to be a follower of Jesus. And so verses like this, we really need to hold on to and allow them to encourage us and keep coming back to them time and time again. It's also interesting that usually these verses are about us and our relationship with God. They're not about seeking and saving the lost, although there were elements of that in, uh, in some of those. There are lots of verses in the Bible, too, about seeking and saving the lost. Vital verses that tell us the reason why we are here on earth and our life calling from God. And we're going to come on to one of those verses in a little bit. Do you like reading? I know some of you do, like me, you like reading. Perhaps your favorite thing would be uh, curled up in front of the fire with your favorite book. Uh, for others of you, you may prefer your reading to be done by the actors and actresses so that all you have to do is watch your favorite box set or uh, DVD or whatever. Uh, but in either case, you know the excitement of getting the next episode. So if we can have the first slide up there. The next book in the series, the next movie, the next download, whatever it may be. And that's what it was like for a guy called Theophilus. 
Luke had written to him the story of Jesus' life, and then in the book of Acts, he has the next episode, and I think he would have been quite excited about that. Theophilus means lover of God, and it's highly likely that this is a code name that was used because of the persecution that was normal in that stage of the Roman Empire. We know that Luke was a doctor. We also know that he researched the life of Jesus, looked into it very carefully, and although he was not an eyewitness himself, he spoke to people who were eyewitnesses, and church tradition has that he spent a lot of time with Mary, talking to her as well. But it's not until the 20th chapter of Acts that Luke actually joins Paul's ministry trip. We don't know what stage he comes to faith, but uh, he's there or thereabouts. Uh, The book we're starting to look at this week is often called The Acts of the Apostles, when actually it's about what Jesus did. It's not really about the apostles, it's about what Jesus did. Look, we have the first verse, Acts chapter 1, verse 1. In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach. Until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. So the book of Acts, just like the, uh, Luke's first book, is all about what Jesus did. And so I'm going to call this series that we're embarking on this morning, Acts of God. But I don't know what comes to mind when you think about an act of God. Often it's a natural disaster, when really it should be very clear to us. A natural disaster is usually natural in origin. It's not an intervention by God. In fact, natural disasters are generally the result of our rebellion against God, which caused the natural realm to fall and to be broken And we see that in the natural disasters that happen around us. So natural disasters, in fact, are more our responsibility. So let's not call them an act of God. Let's not try and shift the blame. Uh, It's not an act of God. Real acts of God certainly are powerful, but they are based upon God's incredible love for us and for each person that he's created. And his intention is not to blast people into eternity, but to save them for eternity. And so natural disasters are just that, natural and the result of our fallen world. But the acts of God are powerfully there for us, for our benefit. Part one of the series, the book that we call Luke or Luke's Gospel. Gospel is a word that simply means good news. Uh, In that, he sets the scene, and we're told about Jesus' life, how he died upon the cross, rose from the dead so that the power of death is broken over mankind. And at this point, you're allowed to be happy, okay? I know we're not a Pentecostal church, but you're allowed to be happy because Jesus did something amazing for us. And then Luke lists the different groups of people who saw Jesus alive after the resurrection in just one day there were a group of women at the tomb who saw Jesus alive. And then there were two people who were traveling from Jerusalem out to Emmaus, completely different location, different people. Then there was Peter on his own. And then later that evening, there was a group of, we're told, 11 disciples and others. So we don't know how big it was, but uh, a larger group. 
And Luke finishes off his first book with a tantalizing glimpse of what's coming next. Luke 24, 49, Jesus says, Now I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my Father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Power from on high. Dum, da, dum, dum, dum. What's going to happen next? Don't miss next week's exciting installment where you don't have to wait because we're told at the beginning of the book of Acts, Luke reminds Theophilus that Jesus died and came back to life again, which makes us happy, which makes us smile, and it was witnessed by many people. And then Acts chapter 1, verse 3, during the 40 days after he suffered and died, Jesus appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive, and he talked to them about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the theological shorthand for God's rule and reign in our lives, his power and presence. Jesus talked to them about it because it was one of the key concepts that they needed to understand, but also they were about to experience it in a greater way. And this wouldn't have been a surprise to them because they had already experienced the coming of God's kingdom in the life of Jesus. Jesus was the word worker. He spoke the words of God and then he did the works of God, did the works of the kingdom, healing the sick, casting out demons, raising the dead, multiplying food, stilling storms, not causing them. And this was a, a very clear follow-on from what Jesus had already been doing and uh, what we see in the book of Acts is just more of the same. And whether they realize, realized it or not, Jesus was in the process of handing the baton onto them and saying, you've seen me do this, you've seen the kingdom come, now it's your turn, go and do the same things. Verse 4, once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. How exciting. They had seen something like this before. They'd seen the Holy Spirit empowering. They'd been used by God. Uh, Jesus had trained them. He'd released them. He sent out the 12. He sent out the 72. They land, laid their hands on the sick, and the sick had got well. They'd rebuked evil spirits, which had left people, and the people's lives had been completely changed. They handed out food that was multiplied. Five rolls fed 5,000 people. Uh, a week later, seven rolls read, fed 4,000 people. So it was going to be more of the same, but at the same time, it was going to be something new. But I love the way the disciples are so human. In spite of all the amazing things they've seen and heard, they still don't get it properly. They're still expecting Jesus to come as an earthly king and kick out the Romans in verse 6. We're told, when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to set Israel free and restore our kingdom? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? If they kept asking him this same thing, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And uh, they kept asking the wrong question because they were unaware of the momentous times in which they lived. 
Now, we would never do that, would we? Uh, we're aware of the momentous times that we live in, aren't we? I hope so. Jesus brushed their question to one side in order to bring them back to the most important thing. Verse 7, he replied, The Father alone has authority to set those, time, those dates and times, and they're not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus was saying to them, at this point, my dear disciples, you really don't need to know about the rise and falls of kingdoms and whether Brexit's going to be a success or a failure and what's going to happen with North Korea and in the Middle East. You don't need to worry about that because I've got my hand on it. It's okay. What you really need to focus on is that power is going to come upon you for a purpose. This power will make more difference in your life and in this world than any political system, any economic boom or bust. This is the most important thing for you to focus on. At the beginning, we had some of those lovely life verses that encourage us, they build us up, and certainly when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, we are encouraged, we experience the amazing love of our Heavenly Father. And uh, during the worship this week, there was a particular point. There was one song that often gets me, and it got me again. And uh, Jesus, you are oh so beautiful. And uh, it just broke me again, and I, I couldn't even say the words. It was just a wonderful encounter with the love of God ministered to me through the Holy Spirit. But actually, Jesus doesn't mention that as a reason for the Holy Spirit coming. He mentions two reasons here. We are empowered, firstly, to be his witnesses. No surprises there, as that had happened before. The 12, the 72, they were sent out. They were empowered to witness. They were commissioned, and this is more of the same. A witness is not necessarily an expert. In a law court, experts are, given, are called to give their opinion on something like the trajectory of a bullet or the speed of impact in a car crash. But an ordinary witness doesn't do that. They just say, this is what I saw. This is what I experienced. This is what happened to me. And so you don't have to be an expert to be a witness of Jesus. And as you know, an ex is someone who's had it, and a spurt is a drip under pressure. So you don't have to be an expert. One of the ways we witness to Jesus is by people seeing his life in us. A different way of living that is radically and noticeably different to the society around us. The difference between light and dark. But it's also a different life living in us. It's not just that we've chosen to follow a particular code of ethics, but it's that God is living in us. Something different is in us. And that's why when St. Francis went out with one of his followers one day, St. Francis is reported to have said, let us preach Jesus, and if necessary, use words. It should be clear from who we are and the way we live that Jesus is in us. And the darker it becomes around us, the more clearly the light will shine. So don't worry about the dark. 
Jesus has got that sorted as well. So we are empowered to be witnesses. The second reason it says here that we're empowered, according to Jesus, is to tell people about me everywhere. Because it's not enough to be a mute witness. We need to be able to say something. Back in John chapter 1, verse 45, we're told, Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, we found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. He was excited about it. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathanael, can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see for yourself, Philip replied. A simple explanation followed by an invitation. Philip was not an expert. He didn't get into an argument. He didn't try and reason it all out, although some people are very good at doing that. Uh, but he simply told what he had seen and he issued an invitation. Come and see for yourself. John chapter 4, verse 39. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. And if you know the story, it was quite a revelation that Jesus had and he gave it in a, such a way that she went away feeling loved and encouraged. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the saviour of the world. A simple witness, followed by an invitation. This woman had not been to theological college. She had never been on a course on outreach. She hadn't even been to the NLC to get her training and to do a seminar like that. But she had experienced Jesus, and so she went and told people about that experience and said, come and see for yourselves. He's radically changed my life. Come and see for yourselves. Our actions witness and our words tell. Jesus' followers took him seriously on this, and the result was that the world was turned upside down. But how did it happen? Well, the first step, and we'll see other steps later in this series, but the first step is to wait and receive. The instruction Jesus gave them was very simple. We've already read it from verse 4. Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends the gift he has promised, as I told you before. Wait in Jerusalem. Wait for the Holy Spirit to come and baptize you because you will be completely powerless and ineffective without that. Because that was true for Jesus. Jesus did no miracles until after his baptism because that was the point at which he was filled to overflowing. He was baptized not just with water but with the Holy Spirit. And then he had everything he needed to be able to do everything God had called him to do. Create some space and engage with God and seek him because God wants to do something. When I was 12 years old, I read in the Bible about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I could see that there was a reality in the Bible that I was not experiencing. And so I asked my dad to lay hands on me so that I could be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And he said, right, uh, your brother has just asked for the same thing. So uh, tomorrow, let's meet together. And he laid hands on me. He asked the Holy Spirit to come and baptize me. 
And then after a short time that felt like a millennia, the Holy Spirit fell on me and power flowed through my body. And suddenly I could speak in a new language, which since then has helped me to pray and praise him. It's like a, a spiritual battery charger, and it also helps me to worship God. When you get to that point, when your heart is overflowing, and you want to worship God, and there are no more words left. And so uh, singing in tongues is such a wonderful thing as well. So we created some space to seek God, and he came. Uh, this week at the NLC, last evening, Mike Pilavachi was speaking and he got up and he had his talk and he knew that it would uh, fill the allotted time and he just sensed that he should wait. And so he just waited and as he waited, there were outbreaks of manifestations of the Holy Spirit around the room. started off with people laughing and uh, after five, ten minutes or so, there was, there was a lot going on. People were responding to all sorts of things. And then he had to try and truncate his talk and do it in the midst of the beautiful carnage that was happening down at the front as people responded to God. When we create some space, God comes. And sometimes it's really dramatic. And sometimes it's just really quiet, really gentle. Because God is very gentle. When we rebel against him, sometimes he has to be tough with us, slightly, maybe slightly rough to get our attention. But if we respond to him, he is incredibly gentle. Every day I create space to seek God and receive more from him. And I try and create the habit so that my first thought when I wake up is to welcome him and to thank him for however much sleep I got that night. And then at the end of the day I do the same thing and I try and do that during the day as well. And I need more of God because I give out and so uh, I need to be refreshed. But also, because I am a broken person, I leak and I need to be replenished. And I, every day, through the day, I need to continually engage with the Holy Spirit. And sometimes you know, I'm in the middle of something, I'm really busy, and I need to focus. But uh, this, uh, quite regularly, I set a timer just every 20 minutes. And it just encourages, reminds me, engage with God again. Get rid of the negative thinking or any negative emotions that's, that have started to build, and just engage with God, welcome him, and then focus back in on the work again. The history of the church is clear. There are times when the Holy Spirit comes in power on the church in a way that is different to the everyday filling that we receive. We were talking about that at the conference as well. Uh, those of you who are familiar with the Elijah story, the quote was, uh, we hear the sound, we hear the sound of rain. And, uh, and then one of the speakers, you, you can get the, you'll be able to get the podcast quite soon off the Vineyard Church's app or just off the podcast feed. And he was saying, you know, I, I see the evidence, I see the hand in the sky, I see, you know, he was a, a Nigerian Pentecostal and he was speaking at a Vineyard conference. And then he said, you know, that there are, that's a sign, <laughs> uh, because that wouldn't have happened many years ago. And, uh, you know, he talked about other situations that he sees as signs of God preparing things, getting things ready, um, whether it be church leaders from all the different denominations getting together to pray and seek God and to work together. But there is the sound of rain. 
And I strongly believe that we are about to experience one of those times when the acts of God is seen in a way that changes society, that brings tens of thousands of people to faith, where we see incurable diseases healed in an instant on a regular basis. We do see that. Come and join us for the healing training. Uh, regularly on the street, we see wonderful healings, as we do here as well. Uh, we see limbs growing, where we will see people raised from the dead. I'm looking forward to that one. Where we see drug addicts healed and their lives turned upside down and all those kinds of things. But are we ready? Do we create space? Because that's the way to get ready, create space. And as you create space, God will start to speak to you. And every now and then he'll say, the thing you really need to know is just how much I love you. And that you don't have to earn my love. You don't have to earn anything. It's a free gift. And then another time he'll, he'll come along and he'll say, you know the way you react to that person? Let's deal with that. Because that's not walking in the light. That's walking in the darkness. And, uh, and God prepares us and he gets us ready. But the key thing is to create space and to engage with him and expect him to come and engage with us as well. Do we create space? Are we willing to be baptized in the Holy Spirit so that we can go out with the good news? Not as experts, but simply to witness what Jesus has done for us and to invite others into that wonderful journey of beginning to know Jesus himself. And the great news for us is that since the first baptism in the Holy Spirit in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost, God's Holy Spirit is freely available to us every minute of every day. It's not like the Old Testament where the Holy Spirit would come upon people for a purpose and then lift off again. God's Holy Spirit, his intention is that his Spirit would be with us every minute of every day. And that whether we're working at a computer or working with children or studying or whatever, that we are engaged with God, that we are filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. We don't have to go to Jerusalem to experience God. He's here, he is here now, he wants to give us more. And he wants to empower us to be his witnesses as well as encouraging us in our identity in him and who we are. The other bits of good news are that we have, firstly, a visiting speaker next week. Oliver will be with us again. But another bit of good news is that we are going to be picking up this story again the week after that and look again at the baptism in the Holy Spirit. But you don't have to wait till then. You don't have to wait two weeks to experience God and to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and to receive the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives. And uh, one of the most common ones that comes when people are baptized in the Holy Spirit is the gift of tongues. If you don't speak in tongues, I'd love to pray for you so that you can. We're also encouraged to eagerly desire prophecy especially prophecy, because it builds other people up. So uh, let's be eager to do that, to receive the baptism, the empowering, the filling, the overflowing with the Holy Spirit. The acts of God towards us are based upon who he is and his incredible love for each person he's created. God pours out his power not to cause natural disasters, but in order to bring people into relationship with him, into his family. His power is released in our lives to overcome all the evil aspects of darkness and to release us into the light, bringing healing to bodies, 
minds, emotions, social contacts, and to our spirit as well. So God is here. The good news. He's here today to bless. You can receive more power from on high, empowered to witness. So we're going to create some space now, just as we have done a couple of times already, to engage with God and to see what he wants to do. What he wants to do for each one of us will be different. And we've got 10 minutes before I'm going to release you, and you can then go and pick up your children. Uh, So you haven't got anything else to do for 10 minutes but to engage with God and to welcome him. And uh, so let's stand together. Mandy, you come and join me, please. Chris and Georgia, why don't you come up as well as we just wait on the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We love the stories that we hear. We love reading in the Bible about what you do. and We love hearing the stories of what you're doing around the world, what you're doing in this country. We love the way that you turn that crack house into a house of healing where broken people can come and receive from you. And we thank you that you're here. We thank you that it is the same Holy Spirit who is here who caused the most powerful event in history, causing Jesus to raise from, be raised from the dead and come back to life, breaking the power of sin and darkness, breaking the power of the kingdom of Satan so that we can be in the kingdom of God and we can experience everything that you are and everything that you have for us. And so, Holy Spirit, we welcome you.